You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast, now on Google Play. With Steve Myers, Senior Editor. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Insider podcast. I'm coming to you from Orlando, Florida. I just got out of the second annual global symposium for chemistry and biological effects of maple food products. And that does sound delicious. Um, with me is Dr. Navindra Serum. He's a professor in the Department of Biomedical and Pharmaceutical Sciences in the College of Pharmacy at the University of Rhode Island. Welcome. Thank you for having me. But I think I, sh- I feel like I should call you Professor Maple because when I looked all over this program and and you were helping to lead the program, yeah, <laughs> you're in all parts of this. Hey, thanks for saying that, man. You know, listen. Um, you know, when 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 a professor um, wants to do research on a natural product, which is what my area of expertise is, you know, it's 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 fun to find something that's that's important to the region in which you're living. And I was moving from LA to the East Coast about ten years ago. I was changing jobs. I was at UCLA, and you know, when you're in California, everything grows there, right? Berries and nuts. And I was working on pomegranates and. And they love natural uh, Of course, of course, of course. And I came to the East Coast and was looking for something new and fresh and maple. Why maple? Well, it only grows the the, the trees which are used for tapping, because sap is boiled to produce syrup, are only found in this part of the world. They are endemic. Endemic means that the sugar maple species is only found in this very narrow belt of the northeastern region of North America starting from up in Quebec and Ontario, a few provinces in Canada, and then coming down to the USA, to the New England states and New York and like Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio. But that's the belt. That's where the plants are found. I think maple trees have the best fall color, but that's an aside. Uh, so w- this was the second annual symposium, right? So that's good. You, you deserve the second one after the first one. What are you trying to do with this? Yeah. Uh, well, we, we, we started actually in 2010 when we first had one abstract at the American Chemical Society National Meeting, meaning one paper. And it, t- 10 years ago or nine years ago at that time, we envisioned you know, having this body of research, which we hope would grow in 10 years. That's 10 years ago. And we, we, we thought, uh, how great would it be in 10 years' time if we could have a whole one-day symposium dedicated only to maple research? Big dreams. But, but you can only do that if you have enough people who are doing research on the natural products. So um, we started off like that, and then we had the first global symposium in 2017 at the ACS meeting in San Francisco. This is a second um, global symposium. So we're, we're thinking of having it every two years. So hopefully in 2021 in San Antonio, which is where the ACS spring meeting is going to be, we'll have the third um, symposium. And as you heard today, we've, 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 we're, we're getting human clinical trials now That's on this right. natural product. So it's like That's a, right. I forgot to mention that this is a part of the American Chemical Society's yeah. uh, conference. And that's, that's important. It's also important that um, you know, one of the supporters of the symposium is the Quebec maple syrup producers. Yes, right? yes. So the American Chemical Society is the world's largest scientific organization in terms of members. Wow. Over 100-something thousand members, and it has a lot of divisions. 
the division we were in today is, a, is the agricultural and food chemistry division. So they're interested in food products, and, and Quebec maple syrup producers were good supporters of the symposium, which was held in that division of the ACS. So it's a one-day symposium. I'm exhausted because I heard so much today, but it's great. It's and a, you did so much And today. I did so much. Thank you for saying <laughs> so that. So you, you had the one paper 10 years ago, and now we had researchers from all over the world. How did you... How did you find them, or did they find you? How did that work? That's a good question. You know what? You know what? I think what happens is you, so you have something that's called a domino effect. Now, let me say this clearly. If you're listening to this show right now, or this podcast, and you're into healthy plant foods, you know a lot about green tea and berries and flax and whole wheat. Maple, 10 years ago, was, was at that time there was little, I shouldn't say little interest, but there wasn't much that was done in terms of research. And, you know, you have this, this ripple effect. We started off small and then attracted attention of other researchers in Japan and in, in Quebec, uh, University of Montreal, um, Laval University. And so the, it just grew because once you start to, 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 to publish the data and you start to publicize and maybe do some PR around it, which QMSP has done, mm -hmm. then other researchers will, will take, they, they'll take notice. And I think that's what happened here too. And maybe they feed off of your research, you know, something you've done or something someone else has done, another lab's done, they say, that, that's interesting, let's take that into this direction. Exactly. And you know, it's of North American pride. You know, I always say, you listen, there are many exotic plants. We've been told they're from the Amazon, or they're from the Mediterranean, or they're from China or India. But we should look at this, you know, maple is exotic too. Yeah. It's, we, we don't think of it because we're from here, right? right. But it's, it's exotic, and we, I think as North American researchers, you know, if we don't work on maple, who else is going to? Yeah. You know, because the plant grows here, and it's a natural product, which is tru truly a niche North American agricultural product. Yeah, we saw some researchers from different parts of the world. So you really sort of orchestrated, you know, this whole, you know, symphony of researchers. So maybe I should actually call you the Maple Maestro instead of Professor Maple. I don't, we'll have to figure out which one we're going <laughs> to, which one's going to stick. But listen, I want to be honest. You know, I had a lot of help from a lot of great people, um, people who are not only young scientists training in the lab, graduate students, PhD students, uh, postdocs, and of course, support from the industry. I think it was, there was actually, it was a really simple statement, a really simple quote that she probably didn't even think was that poignant, but it was to me, in uh, Dr. Angela Slit. Slit, yeah. Slit, she, she had a comment, and it said, science is a team effort. I don't even have to look at my notes. I remember. Science is a team effort. Very simple, but we saw today that it was a team effort. Everyone thanked their team and other teams, and they thanked, you all thanked each other, and then there was obviously the, um, the, the Maple Producers Association. There was, it was a team effort, and I thought that was really poignant because I saw that today. Yeah, and you hit the nail on its head. You know, the days of one person working in their little discipline or their little you know, office on their lab, it, it, those days are gone. It's a team sport you know, for us to get the best grants because it's so competitive and hard to get funding is to come together on multidisciplinary um, teams that you can really attack and then you can leverage your expertise and you can go further, you know. As the saying goes, you want to go fast, you go alone, but you want to go far, you got to go together. Nice. 
So you mentioned it's exotic, and I saw today, you know, I learned a lot today, so thank you very much, but uh, I saw today, you know, and this is great for the audience who might not know much about maple other than it tastes great on their waffles and pancakes, you know, but the, it was, was used by it was tapped and used by the what in Canada would be called first people or first nation and in America would be called Native Americans. I mean that's that's pretty exotic and, and I think that's a great message and story. Exactly because you know again when you really think of the agricultural crops which are really indigenous to an area or things which were brought to this region by the colonists this is not one of them. This is a true agricultural crop that was here and the native people, the first people, the indigenous people, were using this for centuries before the, the settlers came. The settlers, indeed, the Europeans actually maybe improvised ways of making it, you know, more, more, more feasible, more metal buckets and how to tap it and stuff like that. It's a modern high-tech industry right now, but yes, you're right. It's been there for centuries, and it played a great role not only in food, but also as a medicine where they'll use, you know, they'll take the leaves and the bark of the plant and they'll boil it and drink a, call it the liver tonic. So medicinal plants have been used by various cultures um, for centuries, and this is one of them that was used by the North American indigenous peoples for sure. And the other thing I learned today was it's not just sugar and water, right? It's just not sugar and water. Maybe, I, I know there are so many, there are so many um, compounds and nutrients, macronutrients, micronutrients, Maybe you can give the audience at least a snapshot of what else is in there. What are some of the beneficial compounds that, that you and the other researchers have found? Right. So when you really think of, uh, if, if, if you have never seen maple sap, then sap is not sticky. I think of sap as being sticky, but this I is, it was. I thought it was too. But the sap that, that's, that's, that's taken from the trees is actually very watery. In fact, if you don't know this, maple sap water is a functional beverage right now. It's in the, it's, it's, it's in the same space as coconut water is. Nice. At any rate, if you imagine that the plant is moving nutrients you know, from the soil and it's moving sucrose, that's energy, towards its buds because this is when the plant is going to start to put out its new leaves and buds because spring is coming. Thank and God. if you if you imagine that 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 sap is like the lifeblood, if you will, of the tree That's itself, great. and it's moving nutrients, it's moving minerals and vitamins, and amino acids and organic acids, and then these natural phytonutrients, which are found in many healthy plant foods, in the sap, and of course with with good forestry management, um, which is what the maple industry does, sustainability. You know they know. How much sap to take from a tree? So they're not taking and not taking to kill the you plant. Can't take no. all the blood. Can't take all the blood. You can only donate a little. Exactly, you got it. And they take just enough, and they they tap, you know, maybe two taps per tree, and then rest it, and then they they know what they're doing, and and because these trees survive for hundreds of years, and they still do, and and that's boiled. Um, so just to be clear, there are no additives. When you see maple syrup, it's pure maple syrup. 100%. 100%. Real maple syrup. There's one ingredient, and that's maple syrup. They take sap, which is almost watery, as I said, and they concentrate it by boiling it. When you're cooking sap, that's when you create the wonderful flavor and odor because mm -hmm. you're caramelizing the sugar, and that's how it becomes maple syrup. But then you can speculate that what's in sap is going to be 
concentrated in what's in syrup. Mm. So therefore, you're still retaining the minerals and the vitamins and the phytohormones and the amino acids and the organic acids, and you're concentrating down these polyphenols, but you're also creating some new ones, like you typical. Found some, you like found some <laughs> unique compounds, like <laughs> unique to, to maple, huh? Yes, I, I got excited and I shot at typical, but I have to because you know um, we did find some unique natural polyphenols in maple syrup, and we've published on this. Kibikol was it's it's very special and interesting because it's not in sap, it's only in syrup, which wow. means it's formed during processing, but it's not a flavor or aroma compound. It's actually a polyphenol. Wow! So it's it's an interesting interesting chemistry um, and just and the name maybe you should explain the name because I know uh, in Canada you say the name of that province different than, differently than how we say it. Yeah. Uh, most people say it down in America. We say Quebec, Quebec, but it's Quebec. Quebec. And so it's named after Quebec. And yeah. why name it after Quebec? We name it after Quebec for for few reasons. Reason number one, Quebec is the world's leader in production and supply of maple syrup. So we wanted to honor the province of Quebec for you know for leading the industry. Um, that was reason number one. Reason number two, I had a very close relationship with the Quebec maple syrup producers, and you know, a scientist gets an opportunity to give a common name, or an AKA name, to a chemical compound, which she has to have its, its right name, right. which it does. But you know, I, wouldn't go, I wasn't gonna name it after myself, no. it didn't make any sense, so that's where we went with it. Well, and I think we should even now frame that a little more. You mentioned Quebec is the, the largest producer, maybe, you can even give some numbers there, because I, I, I remember some of the numbers from the presentations. And it's, it's a substantial amount. It's a substantial amount. Canada actually produces about 82% of the world's supply of maple syrup. The rest is from the USA. Of that 82%, Quebec is produced about 72% of that. Yeah, there you go. So if you do the math, you know, Quebec is clearly leading the world in for, for maple syrup production, for sure. And you mentioned culture earlier. When you talk about Quebec, Quebecois, is that what we Quebec call them? Quebecois, yeah. They are, uh, it's yeah. part of their culture, It's right? part of the culture, you know, maple syrup, uh, the, the, the whole tapping and the syruping, the sugar bush, as they call it, is, it signifies the coming of spring, you know, the coming of new life. The winter is over. This is the first agricultural crop of the year. How exciting. Uh, and the East Coast, yeah. right? You know, it's, it's a, so it's, it's really, it's Everyone's really. Everyone's happy when spring hits. It does, and, uh, it's, and it's linked, you know, it's linked with the culture and the tradition of the people. You know, I've seen farmers who have been having sugar bushes for generations, and they want to keep it that way, and we want them to have their, you know, the, the local people really, you know, getting back to the earth and, and really keeping the trees erect and using them rather than chopping them down I'm putting up more shopping malls. Right. So um, we could talk forever about uh, about maple and some of the details. There was a lot of information today, but I feel like we should give the audience a little bit of um, scope around what researchers are finding m these compounds in maple can potentially do for health. And how? What are the potential benefits? Like. Uh, were there different avenues? There were many different avenues explored today, and I don't expect you to go into detail of them. Maybe just give them a sense of the different areas where research is happening. Yeah, one that's very clear is in sports nutrition and exercise physiology. As you know, athletes need carbohydrates when you know when they're exercising, and 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 hopefully, um, you know, you 
you, you heard today about what Dr. Jonathan Tremblay has yes. been doing at the University of Montreal with, with athletes. So that's a clear area which makes sense. It's a natural fit right. for sweetener to be used, you know, for, and for like athletes. like the maple water you were talking about earlier. Yes, the maple water and maple syrup, which, mm -hmm. was, which was shown to be uh, as good as a as popular sports drink. Right. Um, in terms of the carbohydrates that they provided. But the other area, I think, which is very interesting was linked by a central theme of inflammation. Yes. And chronic inflammation is the secret killer. It's been linked with several types of human diseases, such as certain types of cancers, heart disease, uh, metabolic syndrome, certain diseases of the brain, mm -hmm. neurodegenerative diseases, and we saw quite a few animal studies today showing that maple syrup, uh, maple compounds, can actually dampen inflam inflammatory processes in, in the body. And therefore, we could extend that and potentially you know, think of this sweetener having an advantage over uh, sucrose, or refined sugar, yes. in, in terms of imparting potential health benefits in the area of inflammatory-mediated diseases. And we saw there was a lot of work um, in vitro, and then there was some animal studies, and then we saw two presentations on human clinicals. Yes. Well, we, one was from uh, Dr. Tremblay, you mentioned him, and, the, and maybe you could tell us just a real quick something about the other. Yes, so the one was from Dr. Tremblay, as you just said. The other was from Dr. Abe, her, her group from the University of Tokyo. Um, did a very small n n meaning n the number of subjects was uh, was was thirteen mm -hmm. um, really small study comparing sucrose or refined sugar with maple syrup and seeing some promising effects at least again in gut microbiota modulation in the human subject so as you rightfully said you know the natural trend or progression of any field of research is to move from in vitro studies which are usually based in cells and it's a test tube, to an in vivo, in vivo models, which in this case we heard several. We heard about rodent models, including mm -hmm. both mice and rats. Yes. We heard about fruit flies. That's right. We heard about C. elegans, yes. uh, which is a nematode. Um, and then ultimately the proof of the pudding or the proof of the sweetener is gonna be in what it does in human subjects. And, and we are very excited that you know, we're having you know, at this second global symposium you know, two human clinical studies, whereas 10 years ago, we had one abstract, so that's I kind of I wonder how many at the next one. I think, hey, now. stay tuned. You guys got to stick around because 2021 is coming around very, very sharp, and I think we're going to have many more of these in the pipeline for sure. Right. Well, I thank you for joining us. I thank, I thank you all for putting on this symposium. I think, I think you achieved what you wanted, this step. It's a step-by-step, -step, I understand. There's a lot of good research, and, and it shows a lot of promising potential what do you hope, other than more human clinical trials, what are some of the wishes that you have for where this research goes in the next two years? Like, what do you hope we can talk, be talking about well, two years at the next one? I know, but one of the first things I want to say is I'm, I, I want to get out of here so I can have a, pump, uh, a, a, a maple cocktail or a, or a maple teeny or something Sounds like that awesome. for sure. Um, but where, where do we see it going? I want, uh, wh if you're listening to this podcast, think beyond a topping. Do not restrict yourself to just pouring maple syrup on your waffles or your pancakes. If you're a sweetener user, remember this though, you have to drizzle, don't guzzle, <laughs> because it's still a sugar. But if you're a sweetener user, think of sweetening your coffee or your tea with this. 
sweeten your cocktails if you drink responsibly with this. Use it in cooking and gastronomy. So no body the elf, <laughs> where it's one of the elf food groups, right? No, right, not right, that. not that. Um, but for me, you know, I think in the expansion of the research that we're doing, we also want to expand consumer knowledge. And podcasts like this are important because we are not able to, to reach the people who really matter is the consumer who wants to make that informed choice as to which sweetener they're going to use if they choose to use a sweetener. So I want to continue at least, you know, disseminating the knowledge, communicating it responsibly, um, educating consumers through mechanisms such as this, such as and yours, social media, social media yeah. um, because the peer-reviewed publications are not getting to where they need to get, and therefore we have to communicate science responsibly and you know in a in a manner that the the the, the millennials can understand because that's the future generation yeah they're the new parents yeah, yeah. The new parents right well that's that sounds like the recipe more research more education more awareness i mean that sounds like the right recipe hope to see more great things really thank you for joining us on the podcast today thank you for having me and thank you everyone for tuning in tune into the next healthy insider podcast for more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the health and nutrition industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud account.